Dear listener, welcome to the podcast Holding Space. We are your hosts, Aminata Cairo and Winnie Rosenval. In this podcast, we take you along exploring my new book, Holding Space, a storytelling approach to trampling diversity and inclusion. This book is dedicated to offering a new, alternative perspective on engaging a world strive with questions and challenges. I wrote this book specifically for you, the audience, with the hope that it can be a gift that you can put to good use. We have invited some of you, the audience, to explore some of the chapters of this book with us. What does this book mean to you, to us? What can it mean and how does it translate into action? We hope you will stick around and enjoy these conversations. For today's episode, Aminata and I invited Jappe, Eduardo and Courtney. Jappe Groenendijk is the coordinator of the Master's Art Education program at the Amsterdam University of the Arts. He is also a philosopher, a dramaturge, and the proud new father of baby Ella Chinanda Groenendijk. Eduardo Faria Santos describes himself as a Brazilian fat, fabulous faggot, a human rights intersectional activist at Arevolta de Lampada. He holds a Master in Development, Human Rights, Gender and Social Justice Studies from the International Institute of Social Studies in The Hague. And he is an equity, diversity and inclusion consultant. Courtney McCausland is an immigration attorney and human rights advocate in the San Francisco Bay Area of California. Courtney is also a lecturer in legal research and writing at UC Berkeley School of Law. She has a particular passion for serving women. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Jappe, here in the studio next to me. Thanks. Welcome, Eduardo, from uh, Brazil. Hello. Uh, or you're in Brazil now. And uh, Courtney from California. Thank you for being here. Of course, Aminata, I won't forget you. You're also in the yes. States still. <laughs> I'm happy to see yeah. you. And today we're going to talk about one of your chapters again and yes. we're gonna discuss the chapter fortress of information interesting title i think right fortress of information mm-hmm. you started reading was there something that stood out for you well i i mean i love the way that dr cairo presents information i i have always been a big fan of that the way that she is able to take these concepts that I think sometimes can be a little bit abstract and provide them with really concrete examples mm. really allows you to to understand the point that she's making really clearly. And so, yeah, just to, to be able to take this concept of the divide, the information, you know, mechanism of the divide of the dominant versus the other, just as I was reading it, as the chapter continued, I just was like, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> like I agreed, agreed more enthusiastically the more I read. Mm. <laughs> and you said you, you, of you are a fan of uh, Aminata's work and the way she presents things. Can you tell us how you two know each other or mm. where you met? Yes, we've, known each other for about a decade now. Yeah. Um, she was my senior thesis advisor in mm. my undergrad. 
Yeah. So we met in Southern Illinois. Mm. Yeah, about 2011. Nice. One of those students who stands out from, you know, the moment she walks in. Mm. You know? Very, 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 very smart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. And, and uh, very engaged and very focused and and always knew from the beginning exactly what she wanted to do and um, for women rights and human rights and, mm. you know, very clear. Mm. So that was, yeah, that was great. Nice. And she, she also you, went to you. Suriname with me. So, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, we've done some traveling. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So for the others, Joppa, maybe you also want to respond on what the, the title of the chapter did mm-hmm. or maybe something that, that resonate, resonated with you or... Well, I think the the title for me, I was thinking of data centers or something like that. Fortress <laughs> yeah. of information. Like, yeah. you know, we have all this big data uh, piled <laughs> yeah. up. And, I can imagine, yes. And all this information without it already becoming knowledge of some sort. Yeah. Um, for me, um, first of all, I, I, I would agree that I, I really love how Aminata has a way to describe concepts in a very in a very nice way for many people to relate to. Mm. For me, it triggered something because I think I'm one of these people who tend to respond to actual experiences with, oh, that's interesting because the other day I read this book and someone stated, and my wife, for example, is many times very annoyed with me doing that. <laughs> so why, why can't you <laughs> react from your own experience? Or <laughs> why... <laughs> Why do you have to bring in all these other people? But, I don't know. Maybe that's just the way that's my funny. mind works. And sometimes also people get intimidated by it, mm-hmm. which is a pity. Maybe it's also because I try to, I am aware of, um, I'm standing on shoulders, mm. the shoulders from people before me or want to pay homage to, to, to others. But, yeah. So. I tend to do it less, though. <laughs> Because of your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah, but Yap is also a philosopher. So, you mm. know, his his business is also thinking and, and sharing thoughts. And, and you know, and, and when I think of philosophers, that's never in isolation. It's always in response mm-hmm. to... Oh, you think about this? Well, that's interesting because I see it this way. So, yeah. so yep, you're allowed. You, no, you know. That's true. But I also do it in personal life. And then, and then yeah, yeah. sometimes it can be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> If I throw in another uh, book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Eduardo? Well, I, I haven't met uh, Aminata or Dr. Carol until now. <laughs> But yeah. I, I start to follow her on LinkedIn and follow her... Uh, everything that she posts there and I, I've heard about the, bo- the, the, the book and it's a very it's a topic that very interested me because I work with diversity inclusion or try to work with diversity inclusion in my country mm. so I got very excited to participate uh, the, the reading is very compelling and And yeah, as Courtney said, yes, 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 it makes sense, yes, yes. Because, but I, I could link to a lot of things that I've been thinking and things that is happening in my country uh, with a lot of fights of fake news and what is valued information mm. or not. So I could relate with many of the, the, of the examples of, the, of this chapter mm. with reality that I'm living and thinking here in my country. Mm. So I found very interesting. 
That's interesting. I yes. want to read more. <laughs> <laughs> coming, yes. it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> If I can respond yes. to what you just shared, Eduardo, um, that was something definitely that was striking for me in the context of knowledge versus information and sort of the current political climate in the United States. Mm. I know it's sort of being featured heavily in the news right now, but there is a lot of disinformation and it's, you know, being actively sown. And so... I think a lot of the people who become most entrenched in their beliefs are they they have information and they think they have knowledge. And so just that recognizing that those are not the same thing, I think, is it's maybe a subtle point, but a really powerful mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Notice I've made a jump here from information to knowledge. It is easy to do. Having information translates to being in the know. Although information and knowledge are not exactly the same thing. Information is tricky to define as it refers to content, stimuli, stuff even. That when combined gives one insight to things. Yet knowledge assumes an understanding. One can be informed and have ample information, but have no understanding of what the information means. Thus, being in the know, which means that one has gained certain information, does not necessarily mean that one is knowledgeable. So, Aminata, maybe you want to um, tell something about this fortress of information you're yes you're talking about the core is about you know you have this mountain of information that is that functions as a blockage when it comes to us connecting with each other and we get so caught up uh, in all this information and we hide behind the information and my experience in, in the netherlands especially which is known it's a very organized country it's also a very bureaucratic country And so, well, these are the rules and these are the procedures. And, and then it becomes about that. And, you know, and rules are necessary, but the rules are there to facilitate us as people. And somehow mm -hmm. the people get lost and then it just becomes about the rules and, and more and more and information. And they, so, so you know, so you have to fight your way through the information, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it becomes normalized that we use that as a mechanism to block each other out well you know and if and then and who controls the information you know so um so that's you know mm. i've said a lot of things right yeah. now but yeah but i i see a lot of nodding <laughs> next to me so <laughs> i think and also on the screen so i think that that you all agree on this no yeah we we really live in the situation that we we hold ourselves with the information that we hold that we believe that we have and it's very difficult to listen to just listen the other part without trying to find arguments to oppose to to do to what is being said you know it's mm. always this point of of okay you hold this information but i hold a better one and i'm gonna tell you mm. as soon as you finish or block you already and 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 tell you i think we can see this in in many different ways and settings in and i'm not talking about the others like like myself sometimes i hold myself in in the beliefs that i have and the information and the knowledge that i believe that i have and i don't listen to the other what the other person is telling so it's very important at one of the universities where i worked 
there were hardly any trash containers that separated the trash based on recyclability. Students concerned about the environment addressed this issue with the administration. They received an answer that the matter was being looked into. It turns out that in the past, there had been recyclable containers, but that they were not used diligently enough. The administration then decided to work with a contractor who would separate out the trash after collecting it to assure that the trash would be separated. This arrangement was not only more efficient, but also proved to be more cost-effective. Seen as a purely administrative decision, this information had not been made public. As a result, the students were seen as intrusive and bothersome, while the administration was seen as not caring or willing to work on this issue. Neither was the case. Similarly, at another university, students were adamant about making the building fully handicap accessible for their fellow students, which it was not. They engaged in several campaigns to make campus members aware of this issue. They found it extremely hard to gain traction and see change and thus became disillusioned. A conversation with the administration revealed that indeed change had been taking place, but because the building was listed as a heritage monument, the bureaucracy was complicated, but it was being worked on. The students saw the administration as being resistant and unwilling to change, while the students were seen as unnecessarily radical and unconciliatory. Neither was the case. The thickness of the wall makes it hard to hear, let alone listen to the story of the other party. Is this something that, that you recognize in your own profession, maybe? Yeah, I definitely do. I, I work as an immigration attorney in the United States, and I represent people in removal proceedings who the U.S. government is trying to deport from the U.S., um, so I do a lot of litigation, I argue, in court. I think maybe an important distinction to make here is sometimes these camps that kind of settle in against each other come from a place of comparable power levels, and sometimes they come from a huge power disparity, and, and that's what I work with mm. every day. Yeah. Um, specifically... You know, I'm most of my clients are asylum seekers. And so most of the people that I work with are coming at this very deeply entrenched, very racist system that is very actively trying to exclude people. And so my job is to help those people access a system that is fundamentally broken. And they're not coming from the same place. One of the things that I really try and try my best to navigate is people come, you know, and they consult with me or my organization and they, they share their story of why they've come to the U.S., what their experience is. And I always try and make sure that we hold space to hear their whole story. Mm. Um, and for some people, it's really evident. They just have to tell someone what they've been through. Mm. And so... We go through that process, and then my job is to sort of initially at least let them know, okay, these are the options that are available to you. And sometimes the answer is you don't have any options available to you. Mm. And that's my least favorite part of my job. That's yeah. a terrible conversation to have with somebody. Um, but I always try and kind of situate it in the context of 
I understand as a human being why you made this choice. I understand what made you decide to do this. And now here's where the consequences of that fall within this system. And, you know, try and empower them with knowledge and help help make sure that they understand where they stand with their case, where their case stands within the system. Mm. Um, but it's it's just a huge barrier. And there's that that that's just the point of access. When you add on top of that, you know, language barriers, you add on top of that cultural barriers. Um, many of my clients are illiterate. And so you have people who can't even read the pamphlet to get the information they need because, One, it's not in a language they speak, and two, they can't read the pamphlet. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, just layer on layer of these things that contribute to this power disparity. And I I don't want to monopolize the conversation with that, but that was the frame of reference with which I was reading this and processing that information. Mm. We all shocked into silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, was, and you know, mm-hmm. this, you see what I'm saying here? You see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. And I knew this is what she would be doing mm. from day one when I met her because she was always very clear. But Courtney, how do you, because like you said, you are working within that system. Yeah. How do you stay motivated? <laughs> how do you stay, you know, and yeah. I, I so appreciate even to say I'm holding the space for these people to tell their story, you know, you might run into all these, but at least with me, your story's being validated. But how do you, you know, deal with this system every day? Yeah, it's exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. Therapy, self-care, <laughs> like really yeah. just doing my best to make sure that I keep my head above water in a system that is, it's it's designed to keep people out. Wow. I mean, I wish there was a, a nicer, easier answer to that question. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think yeah, yeah. the uh, the times where it does come together, the times where I'm able to take a family into court and like human lives are messy. And so taking very complex stories that don't fit neatly into little pegs mm. and neatly packaging it into the legal paradigm is, is challenging. But so the times where we are able to do that, the times where we're able to go into court and win a case... I mean, that's just incomparable. Mm. You know, that family just looks at you like you've changed yeah. their life. Yeah. And so being able just to be yeah. part of that is is huge and very motivating. Yeah. How often do you win in comparison with the other stories? I will say my track record is quite good, but there are multiple factors that go into that. I'm not just going to say like, oh, it's because I'm the best attorney. No. <laughs> I win all my cases. Like that's not, that's not it. Um, yeah. it's, no, you know, I practice in San Francisco, which is in the United States, one of the more liberal courts. So those arguments tend to gain more traction there. Mm. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it. People who get an attorney usually get an attorney because their claim has some foot to stand on, whereas the people whose claims don't necessarily have a lot of merit, they're not going to be as successful in getting an attorney. So mm-hmm. there's sort of like self-selecting things that go into this yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, and I'm also interested to hear because, Yappa, you are also in the business of knowledge mm-hmm. and information and and... Yeah, you know, from from different than, than Courtney, but that's also your business, you know, dealing and sorting through all this information. Um, what is that like for you? Well, I think on several levels, um, 
I had to think of this. I work at the Amsterdam University of the Arts, and in the art world or in art schools or theater schools and all these institutions, I think there are many discussions nowadays about what is artistic quality and who gets to define what it is and are there uh, different sorts of excellence and how can you distinguish between those. So I think discussions with students have changed over the years. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, it was clear for everyone that the teacher was the one who had the knowledge mm. because he or she mm. had seen more theater plays or exhibitions or uh, etc. Uh, and I think something flipped there uh, now. And I think a lot of teachers luckily are aware of the fact that the young generation has other valuable knowledge, for example. But still, I think there are a lot of uh, discussions and tensions between how... Can you be sure as a, as a, as a teacher or as a, someone who heads a program that you know whether mm. something is good or not? Or the only right thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. If you, How do you make that choice? Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing I, I noticed that I'm the head of an interdisciplinary master's program of arts education. So we have students coming from visual arts, theater, dance, music film uh, from educational department of uh, as artists themselves so and they're between like 25 and 60 years old so there, there's a lot of diversity in there and usually the diverser the backgrounds of people the better you you will have a discussion but sometimes it's also that there's this gap between and people literally don't understand each other because they use the same vocabulary but with a whole different meaning so that's always something yeah. you have to you have to be aware of that uh, some things can get lost in translation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice example. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Eduardo, while reading this um, uh, this chapter, were there things that raised questions for you? I I kept thinking about how power relations. So, in, uh, as the book said, uh, the. Uh, the information and the knowledge brings this power and how we raise different kind of epistemologies at all times and we always choose this this narrative or this knowledge as the right one everything is so binary everything is so right and wrong and mm -hmm. we forget the the all layers and and colors in be, in between the right and wrong and so i kept thinking about this kind this epistemologies and how uh, the example of Aminata about the medical uh, knowledge, how for so many time uh, in Brazil it's a it's a it's a for the trans community, for example, to be able to to, to change their name without a lawsuit, with a lot of people saying that they are not sick, they are not sick. Who is normal and who is sick? Oh, wow. And medical knowledge mm. can say to you, okay, you need a doctor, uh, 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 therapist, a uh, psychologist, and reports and reports for all of them. And then you need, I, I have friends who have to pass through this, this process. And you need to, a lot of friends to write down that, okay, she lives with a, her female name uh, for three years now. She's like this for, in order to, 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 to the people to be able to be called by the name that mm. they, they themselves. So, wow. How we raise so many things, you mm. know. We have the indigenous people here in Brazil. Their knowledge is com was completely erased. Yeah. We, we, we 
got to learn a completely different story of everything that happens. And we have so much things to, to learn from people that are, are having their world extincted for centuries now. They are always uh, learning how to live in a different world that it's not the world from them. And and we don't listen to these voices, you know, these different experiences. Um, we, we hold so so tight with our knowledge. And the thing that I, that I said to, to uh, uh, and resonate on Courtney before, this, this, this polarization in the political realm that we live here in Brazil, uh, Nowadays we have a fascist genocide in our government, and and then all of this is started with people not feeling represented by by the media. What media was saying to them, they didn't feel that that was the reality. They started to, to find different ways of finding reality, and that was there. People saying a lot of uh, 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 a lot of. Sorry, I, I know I would say something. <laughs> a word that I can. <laughs> We can bleep it. <laughs> Stupid things. I can bleep it. No, I don't know. I'm just Maybe I can something. tell in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, and then uh, people hold this disinformation, uh, uh, thinking that they they are right about. Everything that they say or they do, it's it like it's difficult because we have so many crazy examples every single day that it's happening here in Brazil. Mm -hmm. and, and it's this, you know, people holding their information and also us, like people from the left wing side, people, progressists fighting for human rights, activists as well. We also hold the information that we, we believe, okay, we have the information that it's right. They are wrong. That mm. is fake news. And then you don't build also this 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 platform to talk and to try to 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 find what get on, on that person what that uh, that person experiences brought that brought them to to, to that situation yeah, you know yeah. I think this is also really interesting because I mean Ata, I think you are writing about these things. In other chapters, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's there. It's, it's definitely there. Well, I was thinking because Eduardo is 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 um, explaining the situation in in uh, in Brazil, and also what I find interesting is that they're not listening to each other, right? So yeah. not only on one side, but also you yeah. you both think you you have the the right the perspective. Right. And this kind of thing speaks to. All, all three of you here, um, you know, can I see you as a human being at the at the bottom line? Can I see you as a human being? And you, you're, it, yes, your story is interesting and you're carrying all these stories with you. But at the core of who you are, you are this human being. And can I have some compassion and connect with you on that way? Uh, as opposed to having to weed through all these stories that I think, you know, you represent or what you stand for. Um I mean, I think that's that's what all of us are trying to do, and that's basically what it comes down to. I, one time, I had to, uh, I was I was asked to speak. It was this poetry night, and the theme was the mother, and you know, and I'm not a poet. You know, I speak, but I'm not a poet, and so you had these, and they had put me last. And I was like, "Dang, why they put me last?" You had these phenomenal poets, and then I had to come last, and um, and. And so there had been this incident with uh, Maya Angelou uh, and some, you know, on, on social media, people had found this clip from the 1980s, Maya Angelou. There was this young teenage person and who 
who ad- addressed her as Maya. Well, Maya, and she's like, oh, oh, stop. I'm your mother. I'm your auntie. You don't, you know, you don't address me in my first. And so she, you know, I come from a black mama culture. So yeah. So she set her straight. And, and so that clip was shared and then people, and there were these two camps, you know, oh, she was harsh. And how could she be so harsh to this teenager? Da, da, da. And there were those who were defending her. What they did not show is that later on in that same program, she addressed the girl again. She says, I know I came, you know, I want to apologize to you because I came at you very harshly. You know, I didn't have to say it like that, but let me explain to you. Da, da, da. So, of course, that part was left out. You know, you're talking about information. What part of the information is shared? And the fact that immediately there were these two camps. And so based on that, I kind of did this 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 speech um, you know, poem and talked about the black mother and that sometimes we come very harsh, but there's a reason for that. And because we want to be protective and because we see the brilliance in you and we have to hold you up when the world does not da 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 da. And then at one point I said, and even my right wing children, you know, my neo Nazi right, because those are my children, those are my babies too. And people are like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> I, you know, you know, I'm holding you up too because I know it's hard and this world is changing and all of a sudden you thought you were at the top and now you're finding out you're just like everybody else. I get it. You know, we're not going to go back, but I get it. And I'm, 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 you know, and but you're my baby, too. And and I don't know how many people came to me afterwards. I don't know if they heard the rest of the poem, but <laughs> you said <laughs> you said you would embrace the neo-Nazis. But those are my babies, too. But but you have to look beyond, you know, mm-hmm. yes, that's their story. But, they're you know, they're also human beings. And there's a reason why they're angry. There's a reason why they're in pain. And on that level. I can connect. I can hold you. Now, you know, I'm not going to go to, you know, you know, but can I can I hold that level of compassion to say you are worth it, at least to connect with you? I think that's what Courtney does. You know, I mean, that's what Eduardo is talking about. I think that what Yup is doing even to say, like, you know, we used to not listen to our students, mm. but now we mm-hmm. do, you know, and that and that asks something of us as as professors. I was like, wait a second. I've you know, I have my 20 years and now these young little whoopersnappers are going to, you know, I mean, <laughs> you don't just do that. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's something American. Let me teach you the colloquial, some some, some American colloquial yeah. whippersnappers. Yeah. You know, but that's so. But to make that step, so it requires something of all of us to go beyond the standard story. Well, I'm in charge because I'm the professor mm. and you're the student. Mm. You can go through that. It, it's going to ask something of you to shift. You know, I can be a lawyer and help you because this court might not see you as a human, but I believe that you are. You you can do that. You can make that choice. Mm. And, you know, and it's like, and my friends who are transgender, look at what they're going through. I will stand with them. I will speak for them because it's not okay. And, but it starts with, you know, as human beings, that's, you know, that's what mm. you get to. So. Thank you. Yes. So you get me all passionate <laughs> and, and, and now. Like, That's what we're looking ah. for. <laughs> that's what we're, try- that's what we're trying to get. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's, I mean, I mean, even the beauty here, you know, we're from all across the world. Mm. And, you know, and another reason I ask, you know, look, Courtney, how do you keep going? It's because of this. Mm. It's because, you know, there's. You're not alone in this, you know, and we know, you know, what is transgender, what is working with our students, just to be aware that we are not alone in this and that, you know, and and sometimes you gain some. And so it's not even how many have you done. The fact that you were able to get one family and we will celebrate that and celebrate with you and for you and how, you know, how beautiful that is, because it's it's draining, you know, this this stuff. 
it's draining and and and, and I'm holding the space. And at the same time, I still got to honor my humanity, your humanity, our humanity. That's what you have to keep. Because if not that, then you get depressed and you get burned out and, and you, yeah. you know, you won't last. That's a conversation we, we even have sort of in the Bay Area because there's a very robust um, immigrant community and there's a very robust immigrant advocacy community here. And we sort of, I, I think there's a degree of self-awareness that it is better to be doing our job here than maybe in some parts of the Deep South where there's two other people doing this work, mm. whereas here there's a hundred other people doing this work. So that yeah. sense of, of community and support is really there. Yeah. And, yeah. and something that you touched on, Dr. Cairo, I think also is how this approach, this philosophy, this worldview does not just, it doesn't just apply in our professional settings, it also it applies in our personal settings. And I think especially among professionals and academics, there there tends to be kind of this artificial divide there. Yeah. And so to be able to take that and apply it to your personal life is huge. I know, Eduardo, I'm sure that, you know, this is something that you are having to navigate in, in Brazil in particular right now, that these divides within families are very deep. And that's something I've experienced with in this political climate is, you know, the, these are my people and I see their humanity and I see their goodness, but I also see how profoundly problematic mm -hmm. they are. And so to try to come at them from a space of like calling them in instead of calling them out is mm -hmm. challenging. It's exhausting, but it's like, who else is going to do it? These are our people. We have to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's, there's one sentence that stuck with me when I was reading this, and I want to read it out loud. Knowledge has become such a valuable currency, especially in education, that we tend not to question it. Mm -hmm. And I s stopped reading there and read it a couple of times yeah. uh, to let it sink in what, what I think it can have several meanings. What does um, it mean for you? First of all, knowledge as it's as itself as something as a container or as a as a as a as a tool to to get something done, uh, but also all these different types of knowledge that are incompatible with each other. Um, and I, I was also also thinking about maybe all the a lot of knowledge that we have to maybe unlearn. Um, yeah, uh, because we. We're raised by it, or we we yeah. there was something else you said something like I can't remember. Knowledge is never neutral, mm. so but it's really it's really hard to to take that step back and reflect on on your own standpoint. So mm. from from which standpoint are you are you speaking, thinking, acting, uh, and to take that step back and to reflect on on the the only the so much knowledge you have. But I was actually I was I was curious what you were what you meant. <laughs> well, I, I know, for instance, well, you know, yeah, that it is not questioned, and and you know, and it's it's almost like the higher up you go, it's like you're a member of this special club, you know. So welcome to the club, this exclusive club. And now that you're in, um, and we don't question again what we have, you know, because you've you've made it to, into the elite ranks. 
and and so therefore we assume that it is good and 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 it gets shared as if it is good and um and why would I question it? Because I've, I've reached this status and, and, you know, and to questioning what I put out there that might do something to my status. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like a simple example. And, and we have this word in the Netherlands called super diversity that I do not like. And when I had the gall to question that, mm. <laughs> yes, but, you know, because all of us use that word. OK, I still don't <laughs> like it. You know, just because all of you all use that word does not make it okay. You know, and and I mean, but the the <laughs> really the the backlash that I got, yeah. you know, and it's like, and I still don't like it. <laughs> um, but it, you know, but but again, how you know, you're one of us, so why would you why would you question mm-hmm. that? And. Because I said, you know, this word, I, when I read this word, I said, I know, I knew a white person came up with that word because it's, it's from the perspective, you know, you're talking about, you know, a little bit crude. You're talking about how many brown people are there. And therefore that makes it super and like, hoo ha, who, there's so many of them. This is written from a white perspective. I know it is. And yeah, and it was. And, and, and I don't care how you build it with your theory, but coming from the other perspective, that's insulting to me. Mm. That's insulting to me. So just be aware. And uh, but still, you know, uh, it was it was not appreciated. So so part of it is the awareness. But if we're going to address this, that that's that's vulnerability that you then have. Oh my gosh, you know, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to my status as an academic, as a scholar, as a thinker? And 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 you know, um, because again again, once you belong to that elite club, that's very special. You know, it's it's very special. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. Anyway, so is is this an answer to to yeah? Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, okay. Eduardo, do you have something that you really want to give a place in this conversation? Yeah, I I believe I I I don't know if I'm I'm repeating myself, but I think that uh, uh, this this thing of 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 different epistemologies, uh, why you don't bring different ways of seeing life together? Why you don't listening? I don't see a way of of going out of all this mess that we're making with our world. You know, if you don't listen, indigenous people across the world. If you don't listen, queer people of color across the world, and mm. how they build strength and, and and resilience to fight for their lives odds and everything we will want envision a different way of doing it. we want envision a future that it's good for everybody you know yeah, yeah it's the importance yeah. of the diversity and that it, that is bring everybody to the table otherwise we won't think innovatively we won't think creatively to try to to solve the the the, the problems that we have in our societies yeah. uh, Thank oh yeah, you. that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like to respond to that, and I think I think part of that, part of 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 of, of reaching that, uh, and that's where the embodiment comes in. Um, you know, because 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 it stays such an intellectual exchange. You know, we want to talk, and but it's like, can you just sit and be with me, even in silence, and and listen to me and be, you know. Because when you hear the story, it might do some stuff for to you. Can you can you physically just be with me and and say you know you're okay you know and and you can be here you know that has to be part of that's part of the work. I think part of why we do not 
why we have such a hard time getting there is because we try to make it an intellectual exercise. And it's not an intellectual exercise. It's about, oh, ooh, oh, that really did something to me. I have to do something with that. And But I can debate you. I'm not interested in your debates. Can you sit with me and can you have my back? Can you hold my hand and, and let me be me and let me be okay? And to introduce that concept as part of the work, uh, because people underestimate really underestimate of all that is involved in doing this work. You know, and we can write beautiful dissertations and explanations and in, 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 you know, they're being written. And then, but when it comes to the execution is like, uh, yeah. you know, because people underestimate again, physically, um, you know, can you even, can you just listen? And, and that's hard for people to say, yes, but they might, you know, they might say, ah, all you got to do is listen, be quiet, mm. you know? And, and mm -hmm. even there, um, Yeah. So, yeah, so we, we were working on Eduardo. That's why we're here. <laughs> we, we're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Courtney, I want to give you the, the last word in this. Is there something that you want to share that hasn't been said already? I, it's, I guess what I would add is not really novel. It's more just in response to mm -hmm. what has been shared so far and, and specifically sort of what you were talking about, Yapa. Um, that knowledge is not neutral and that knowledge I think is deeply situational. And I, I have this example in my mind that I keep coming back to um, because a lot of the folks that I work with are indigenous. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of indigenous Central American clients and they have a beautiful tradition of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And... <laughs> when they share things with you, it's just, it's, you know, it's so, mm. you, you just feel enriched by the encounter because of this world that they've painted for you. And that is a problem in court. <laughs> and the mm. problem with that is that it comes off as evasive because they won't answer a question mm. directly. Oh, wow. Mm. Yes. And yes. so I spend a lot of time oh, wow. <laughs> trying to help wow. people bridge that gap. Oh, wow. Um, wow. specifically because in any other context in their community, in the arts, in any other context, it'd be like, wow, you are a masterful storyteller. Tell me more, share this with me. Mm -hmm. And wow. then as soon as they're put in a court context, it's, oh, you're a liar. Why didn't you answer my question directly? Wow. This is, this is yeah. such a powerful wow. example. No, I, absolutely. And that was sort of one of the things is I always try to talk to my clients about it in mm. advance and sort of say, you're not doing anything wrong. This is a very bizarre context. It's separate and apart. You're not going to tell your story in this context in the way that you tell your story to your friends or family. Mm. It's it's different. It's situational. And, you know, I've had, I've had a judge ask me about it before, too. And, you know, it was after hearing one day the judge was like, counselor, why is it that when I ask the this client, you know, if they're doing okay, that they you know, launch on to, oh, thanks be to God, I am well. And, the, the, you know, there's a whole saga. And yes. like, it's, it's, it's a way of expression. It's yeah. a way of, t you know, it's rooted in storytelling. Yeah. But that those forms of knowledge and that access to knowledge, it's so situational. And mm -hmm. that's yeah. that's something for me that I just keep coming back mm. to. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And and basically, you have to teach them a new a new language. Yeah. You know, if you might be speaking English, this is a different kind mm -hmm. of English. This is a whole new language. We stick to the bullet points, 
You know, it's it's like you have to learn a whole new language, the court language. Mm. But again, but it, but the fact that it then is immediately labeled as lying, less than evasive. Oh, yeah, I feel mm-hmm. that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not it's not different. It's immediately less than. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And and can impact your life in such a way that then you are not granted whatever you know the direct impact on that. Wow. Thank you for that, Courtney. So I want to thank all of you for this conversation. Grand Tangi, Yappe, Eduardo, Courtney, and of course Aminata. Um, yes, thank you all so yes, much. Yes, for this. It was really nice to, to discuss this. And um, I hope you had a good time also at home listening to this podcast. Uh, and hope to see you another time. Before we sign off, we would like to give a special thank you to our guest today. Thank you, Podcast Studio Amsterdam, for producing this podcast. And thank you, our audience, for tuning in and spreading the word. <laughs>